0: This is Bruce.
1: This is Trav. This is Jonathan. And I guess I'm welcoming everyone to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Your choice for when you have a really good idea and it's someone else's, but you just got to use it anyway.
2: Plagiarism is such an ugly (laughs) word.
1: (laughs) Filing off those serial numbers. Exactly. As long as you don't publish it, it's perfectly safe for your own home use. Jonathan, what, what is this about? Why don't we discuss some of the pop culture, books, movies, TV shows that we have found ourselves using in some form or another in our campaigns. Um, especially considering that the two main uh games that I've played, Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy, are both ripe for that anything that is possible can happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other time that I really took a... I intentionally... uh Took a lot of material from other places. Was the time I did Fringeworthy, and they went to a world, and this is actually on the map where you know it was, um, uh, it was you know Mars attacks. It was you know War of the Worlds with the you know with the <laughs> black smoke and the tripods and the, uh, the yeah, really yeah, squirmy yeah. guys inside the, the 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 cars and things like that, and uh, and, and I. I I got a, I did get a supplement from uh, online from uh, Drive Through RPG uh, that had a lot of this kind of material based on the original source code and then I had to do some you know legwork to to make the stats for the various things work with the system I was using but anyways it was uh, yeah I, I gave that gave me maps of uh, it, it was taking place in. Um, Uh, In America, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember, was it taking place? I had this taking place in America and actually taking place in Boston. So uh, I I was, you know, and this was also when Fallout 4 first came out. So I had a lot of maps and stuff that was of the Boston area that I could use. Oh, yeah. So uh, I got to do that. And uh, they, uh, it it was, and and not only did they do that, but then they went and they went to some of the alderness and these are some of the worlds where the aliens had come it was one where there was like the Martians had come and they, and they had basically rebelled against their, their, uh, their Red Masters and they had actually become a colony in the, in the North uh, and uh, because it was far enough North that the, the diseases were not very prevalent. And so they were able to, uh, the, uh, the Martians were able to survive in the Earth environment uh, and, and so they, unfortunately the players never got far enough to actually communicate with them They just knew they were there And of course they were very xenophobic you know, uh, mm. Because they were, <laughs> they were afraid of anybody coming near them Because they were afraid they were all going to die if they did So <laughs> ironically since the uh, humans were probably the The, the were probably the least likely to k- transmit a disease Due to the portal travel but anyway, so uh, I, I, I did a whole thing with that, you know, with multiple worlds and different versions of the Martians and the invasion, and it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed doing that. I really got to leverage uh, all that material. So, uh, and, you know, and of course, the, and I, I, I not only read, went back and reread the original. I also reread the War of the Worlds with Zombies version, I just, as, just, just to try to see whether I wanted to bring that in too <laughs> and, and if you're saying, Bruce you know, Do you just throw the kitchen sink at your players? And I'm like, well, I throw things at them until something sticks And then I go hog wild with it
2: <laughs> Okay, War of the Worlds with Zombies Is this like these other two books that I've seen?
0: Well They're not by the uh, same writer but it is, it is, it, it's part of that whole, let's see if we can shove zombies into this story and make it better.
2: Oh, okay. Because there were two books that came out and they were spins on, I think they were both Jane Austen books. Well, there yeah, was Sense Pride and, Prejudice and Sensibility and,
0: Zomb- and Zombies. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And then there was um, Pride and Prejudice. That's what I meant. And zombies. I think, Pride and
0: Prejudice yeah. and Zombies. And then there was Sense and Sensibility and Sea Serpents.
2: And Sea Monsters. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. No, the Pride... The Pride and Prejudice and Zombies that was made into a film a few years back with I, yes. Matt Smith from Doctor Who was in it. Well, not yes. only My that, wife. but I also uh, it.
0: you know Pat, uh, our favorite Pat, uh, Padme from Star yeah. Wars. Natalie Portman yes. was in there? She was the main character.
1: She's oh, okay. the reason they got. I, I remember. She's Matt Smith the reason
0: the movie it. got made was because of her her her, her
2: oh, star power. Okay. You
0: know, her box office draw powers, what we're really talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, and Matt Smith's character, uh, you know, what I I would say that most people would like him better as Doctor Who than as the
1: character he played. Oh,
2: no, I saw the trailer. He was a bit of a fop. Yeah, just, yeah. uh, Yeah. Yes. Although, uh, uh, I'll give credit,
1: having watched it, I admit, they actually did, just from a, a, I guess, technical standpoint, it is Pride and Prejudice with zombies. It is. It yeah. really is. That they nailed. It, yeah. What's amazing what to me trailer. is yeah. I
0: have read Actually, I had never read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies before. I don't think. And and by reading it with zombies, I actually got all the way through it, and I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> it really <laughs> did make the book better for me. It was really yeah, essentially I mean, the same story. Yeah. Exactly. It's just with zombies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, instead of it instead of it being the Black Plague, it was zombies. Instead of it being the French, you know, um, um, you know, um, uh, insurgents, it was zombies. Okay, you know, so yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> like how can you and go wrong? they had so
0: many wonderful names for them. They had all these euphemisms for the zombies, which I thought were just so so cute <laughs> we we don't you know we call them Zeds and Z's and things like that but they called they called them the you know the 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 sadly demented <laughs> or the the uh, oh, you know the, you know the the, the uh, they had names they had all these names for them it was so I thought it was funny funny and it's uh, uh and and the fact that you know and you had and it, it did take a little bit of understanding. Of the, of the whole thing, because they are always talking about what so's sos uh, estate was. Like, you know, he's got you know five thousand crowns. And it's like, what? What is that? <laughs> what exactly <laughs> is that? It was, and it takes it takes you a long time to figure out that five thousand crowns is not what his estate is worth. It's the income from his estate. That's how much a year <laughs> that person. Had access to, they could live off wow. of it on a regular basis, and so you know, so, it, you know, some poor schmo who had maybe five hundred crowns a year—that's that's barely above a shopkeeper. But you know, if you went, if you got somebody with five thousand, well, now you're you're solidly in the middle class, and that's somebody worth you know making the effort to get married to. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <Wow.
0: laughs> and and of course, you know, it wasn't just being gold diggers, okay? I mean,
2: these... Well, I mean, understand, you know, back that was back when women, you know, they were looking for the man to support them because that's just what... They had no choice. That, that, right, yeah. That they was were the culture, allowed to so, yeah. own
0: property. Yeah, if they, yeah. If, if they inherited property, it was under the control of their father or their brother or their uncle. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, you're looking for a man. If you have property of your own, you're looking for the right person to administer it. So it's not just a man yeah. And somebody who already has property coming, who's already managing an estate of his own, can ha- could probably manage your estate as well. And the two of you can make a good life together. You know, but, uh, but that was, of course, one of the subplots in the movie where one of the gentlemen basically took a really dim view of these girls because they overheard their, their mother saying, well, the most important thing is to make sure I marry them to proper people with good incomes. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And he was like, what a bunch of gold diggers. You're nothing but, you know, trash, you know. And and it took like most of the book, spoilers, most of the book (laughs) to figure out, for, for him to figure out that no, these girls had no idea what their mother was talking about. Most of them didn't even want to get married because they were, you know, they 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 had the the Goldilocks the uh the uh Shirley temple whatever you know the Cinderella view of Mary's they were looking for someone to fall in love with they just were looking amongst people who had money for those opportunities
1: to fall in love
2: you know as any they, smart they, girl argument would is, do.
1: they well, they were also rich themselves, so who is who are of their them. social circle a lot of them yeah because- they were they were <clears throat> good
2: yeah they were staying within their their, their social cliques, their their class level, yeah.
0: A lot of them were poor, but they were from families that had, you know, uh, aristocratic lines in them. Right. So they, they would go to parties, but they would, you know, it would take everything they had to scrape together, enough money for a... a a, a decent dress. gown, and, and usually yeah, only yeah. the the one that they really wanted to get married off, the oldest one, of course, was the one who yeah. got the best gown because they wanted to do the best presentation. The the other ones might have to wear hand me downs or last year's gown that that had been done up, you know, modified mm, something yeah. by the mother. You know, it's they they were uh, because the father I believe was a sea captain or a he was somebody that was in uh, the trains or something and he was he was on a a pension at this point you know so he they weren't rich but at the same time uh they were rich enough that he that they had been sent off to private schools and things like that so you know i mean we're still talking about first world problems even though it's a, you know, they they added the zombies <laughs> the whole book is about first world problems yeah with
1: zombies. With zombies.
2: Yeah. Oh, I I have to wear last year's fashions. Oh, the horror. Yes. Yeah. No, we got some real horror, horror for you here, yeah. lady. Yeah. This thing's coming to eat your yeah. brain. Or someone's yeah.
0: going to grab you and throw you into a hold and sell you to a sultan somewhere. With all, that, all those zombie stories and things like that, I really never... Uh, I never really, I mean, I did run a whole zombie adventure thing that I ran at cons for the longest time called They're All Dead. And it was all about Fringeworthy. They were trying to find the, solu- you know, different solutions and things like that and try, if not find the, the cure for the zombie plague, at least try to understand how it happened to make sure that if they go to another world that might be time retarded, they might be able to make sure it didn't happen there. So... uh but that was... I never really, you know, grabbed the the whole zombie thing because, uh, well, you know how I feel about zombies, right, okay, guys? a bit
1: overdone at this point?
0: No, they're, most zombies are magic. Mm. Yeah. Okay, they don't fall... They, if they're not supernatural, they don't make sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, when I'm playing a game like Fringeworthy that was, you know, uh, primarily a science fiction game for me... Uh, i I generally didn't want to do that. I didn't want to bring in things like and when I did do it, it was like it was it was uh, actually something left over from the Commonwealth War where one you know again, another person who got money for their project decided to try <laughs> to create a secondary nervous system in people so that if they got mortally injured during combat, it would kick into effect, pick up. And pick the person up and carry them to a, a aid station where they could get properly treated, so they wouldn't necessarily the soldiers wouldn't necessarily have to die. The problem was is that they didn't finish. They didn't it, it, it didn't get past the alpha stage, you know. Uh, and ah. uh, and then so they ran out of money, and they said, "Well, we we spent all this money on this tech. We're not going to just throw it away. Who knows? We might get some money in the future. There's always somebody who's going to have a war or might want this." And, and pay us more. So they mothballed it. Thousand years later, somebody on this world breaks into their laboratory and releases it. So now it's running amok It's basically it's it's not doing what it's supposed to do really. Uh, and uh, it's, you know it's doing things like infecting people who are alive first of all, and secondly is is that it, it, it there are mutations. So you get weird, really weird zombies. The weirdest one, which was the closest I came to the supernatural in my science fiction one, was the one where they were nothing but a pile of parts.
1: Oh, it was literally
0: like a dozen hands, feet, arms, thighs, whatever. Oh, gee. And they were bouncing <laughs> around, okay, like uh, Rayman, okay? with the If you've ever seen the video game, he's got parts missing, but things still move, all right? And they would pummel you. They would, like, pound against you. You know, to 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 kill you, and you're like shoot in the head. There's no head. Uh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> everything's here, <laughs> but the head. There's this, you know. And they're like, what do we do? And they're like, run away, run away. And that's, and that's mostly what they did. If they if, if they were if they were clever about it, they could chase it into a room and shut the doors because the hands were just flopping around projectiles and such. They weren't actually hands, like you know, <laughs> grasping instruments. So they unless it was a one of those door handles that you press down and the door opens, it, it would you know you couldn't it couldn't turn a knob. So they would get stuck in places uh-huh. if they could trap them in there. But uh I, I was just beating the crap out of a whole bunch of them because they were like, "Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it It's like it's not killing it. <laughs> it doesn't care how many times you shoot a hole in it and you don't want to f- and you don't want to send off incendiaries, you're here for a reason. you don't want to set the building on fire. that would be bad. you're in the building <laughs> so yeah, but uh, i I uh but I did get some ideas like you know from the but I did that from some of the ones where they did try to make the zombies like weird versions of zombies. Like there was the screech screaming zombie. And there was uh the zombie with the jo that uh, basically was like, like a clam. He had these really, really long arms that were like tentacles. And would grab people and drag them in and cover up like into like a pod. And then just try to gnaw on their heads until he, until, you know until he was able to bite them because they were all trying to bite people to transmit the the quote disease, which was actually the thing to put it into other people so that they could you know benefit from this life-saving <laughs> technology. technology. yeah, right yes uh, believe me, the ir- me sitting behind the screen, the irony was thick. <laughs> <laughs> they're just seeing monsters and zombies and running. And I'm saying it's, it's technology run amok. <laughs> it's so that kind of stuff. I, that's what I like to do. If when I do these things, I like taking something and pushing it all the way as far to the absurd as I possibly can. And, and I can send it really far.
1: I can say, yeah, oh. I mean, I definitely ran a, a world in that was like pretty much just night of the living dead. Yeah. I'd like to say I did that before Zombies became obnoxious in the mid-2000s.
0: What do you mean obnoxious?
1: (laughs) As in everywhere.
2: Well. Bruce, you remember the list for Gen Yes, I do. But see, here's the thing, is, is that, you know, the one thing
0: about Zombies, they got so much better, because when they first started, before it became popular, you had these independent filmmakers... As in somebody with a camcorder, okay, who yeah. was making a movie, mm-hmm. and the zombies were people with pancake makeup and uh, and and oatmeal stuck on their faces to simulate dead flesh, mm-hmm. and a lot and, and a lot of caro syrup and, and food coloring dripping out of their mouths. That was the that was the extent of the special effects in the movies, <laughs> you know? and. Oh, yeah. uh, and not and, and only was the video quality bad, and it was so bad, you know, the sound quality was like, you know, it was the mic that was on the camcorder. It wasn't like a separate mic, it was just unbelievably poor. But hey, they were releasing them on VHS tapes where the quality was, was half the quality you got on your television. So it was still, <laughs> if you were, you know, it, 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 it was still acceptable, and those people made a lot of money. Some people made their living off of that sort of thing And, uh, you know, and that was, you know So I really appreciated when zombies became more mainstream Because they got more money And the special, and of course at the same time Computers were getting so much better That people could actually put special effects in their movies That digitally, without having to do really bad special effects That they tried to do themselves you know, oh yeah, and I, 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 you know, I was a big fan of uh, the Draculina magazine uh, because they they were all about these people making Z grade movies, you know, basically this quality of movie, and they were usually sex exploitation films uh, of various kinds, but they had a lot of zombies, and they talked about how difficult it was to do their special effects and. And and just getting anybody who knew what they were doing to be their special effects person was like, you know, I mean, unbelievably hard, you know. And if you uh, if if they happened to live in the L.A. area, then then they might be able to get somebody to do it as a weekend gig. But uh, more often than not, they were literally looking up stuff online, mixing up the caroserp or whatever, and just doing the best they could because they literally couldn't afford to pay for like a, a proper uh uh is it is it squig, squip, whatever. Squip. I think squip. Yeah, yeah. The, the exploding blood pack that was supposed to simulate a gunshot on somebody and stuff. A lot of a lot of times it was literally the person having like a a a a, a baggie with Blood, you know, in it, and he, and they get gets shot, and he would, sla- they'd slam their hand over the gunshot wound so that the yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they take their hand away, and there would be all this red over their shirt because they just, of course, opened up the baggie and it, you know, <laughs> just, oh, you know, so yeah, I, but um, I, I've got a lot of really good books on uh, uh on zombies as far as like literature, I mean. Stories and such, and some of them are are particularly good. Of course, the uh, World War Z, excellent. Oh yeah, I definitely uh, I'm like talking, that. And I'm not talking about the movie.
1: I'm talking about no, no, no. the book. The movie, the movie. I, I I admit that it's a movie.
0: The movie, the movie where they, wow. they took what they did from the book was fine, but the super zombies was totally unnecessary. But I guess they wanted they had to do something to make it a, to to. You know, to squish it into—well, uh, that was their idea about how to squish it into a two-hour movie. They just had to amp it yeah. up. You know, it was really more than enough that the zombies were just coming from everywhere. You know, oh
2: no, I'm watching—I'm yeah. watching the trailer for that, and I'm seeing. Well, I mean, for I've always, for me, and and y'all know I'm not a huge fan of zombies. I don't watch The Walking Dead. I don't use zombies in my games. I'm just not a fan. Fine. First time I saw it, it was one of these movies, you know, people trapped in a mall and zombies are trying to get them. And all of a sudden I'm seeing this person manage to get out of the mall and they're in a car going like 60 miles an hour. And this damn zombie is keeping up. I'm like, no, zombies are not speedsters. They are shambling. They are limping. They're dragging a broken leg. No, I was like done right there. Yeah. No. And then I saw the trailer for World War Z with Brad Pitt. And I'm seeing the zombie <laughs> pile as they're climbing up the wall, yeah. and again, oh, and I'm like, it was, no, it was we're the done. anthill.
1: Yeah, yeah the anthill. I'm just yeah. like, no,
2: I'm done. I'm done. No,
1: <laughs> See, that's the only thing that the movie used from the books that I liked was the the idea of the swarming pile of zombies. But but they didn't go that. The they original, didn't grow
0: up that big. They overwhelmed. You know, like ten foot tall. Smaller. Yeah, yeah. ten foot tall emplacement. Sure. That makes sense but they don't scale yeah. 100 foot tall walls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. No.
0: I mean, you know, they don't work together no. that well, but anyways, yeah. So, uh vampires in Bureau 13 were always like, you know, there's uh, so many different vampires. Most of the time, it was keeping, it was the players. They said, I want to play an Anne Rice vampire, or I want to play yeah, another kind know. of vampire. And I would say, well, there's this book, you know, by Kelsey, uh, Chelsea Quinn Yarborough uh, called uh, Count, oh, now, uh, uh, Coma de, I can't think of it. Uh, anyways, it was this, uh, he was a vampire, a very, uh Noble vampire. And he didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, it was always like, if I drink blood, it's, 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 uh, it's with permission, you know, kind of thing. And, you know? uh, and he could move around in the daytime as long as he, uh, he had his boots filled with his burial soil. He didn't, he didn't, ah. he didn't have, hmm. the, he didn't have his, his vampire strength. But at the same time he was a master swordsman, so he didn't need more than normal human strength anyways to best almost anybody but at nighttime of course he was a force to be reckoned with because you know he had his full strength then and he was an alchemist uh, and uh, so therefore he oh, he was rich beyond belief you know he never he was never seen ever not wearing a new outfit every day he had a different outfit on. So he had some some cadre. Anyways, so they were like, I want to play, you know, these these vampires. And so it was always like, well, which vampire do you want to play? Do you want to play this one, which we called and so and they uh, and they called it in Bureau Thirteen uh, American Reform Vampires. Yeah. They, you
1: know, oh yeah. Or yeah. you could
0: play the classic Vlad type vampire, and some people did. Or you could play the Anne Rice vampires that essentially were just super, they were speeders, speedsters. You know, the, the Anne Rice vampires, unless you get into the later ones with flying and stuff like that, you know, they were just really, they were yeah. super fast. So they they could defeat you because they're literally moving faster than cameras could pick up, or they would reach out at you. and It seemed like their arm elongated because they were moving. So they would move fast to you and then move back, and it seemed like their to you it just seemed like their arm had elongated and grabbed them or something. So you know that was what their shtick was. You know uh, they did, and of course they did all the the blood drinking and things like that. So you know usually the uh, the blood drinking was done. One of my favorite things that I did steal from a movie was uh, from the movie Sundown, which was a group of vampires who had made a pact with God that if they never drank blood ever again, God would forgive them, and and as a a, a token of of faith, they could walk in the daytime, and not die, and uh, mm. oh. that you know they were still vampires. They were still, you know, living forever, but they they had to suffer the lack. They always had the blood thirst. And I think they had a guy that was there working with them, trying to come up with a blood substitute that would give them some relief. And, of course, it was all about, you know, the some of the people finally said, I'm tired of this, you know, I, it's, it, walking around the daytime isn't, you know, isn't that big of a deal? You know, I I want I want to stop being so thirsty all the time and starts, You know, and they have to have this whole internal strike. But that was one of the versions, the sundowner versions of the of the vampires. You know, was that was kind of cool doing that, where they actually had vampires walking around. And and to a slight level, it was it was kind of a, a genesis for. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, uh, I have a character that is like a vampire. He's what I call a bio vampire. He he basically has all the attributes of a vampire, but ex- you know, except the fact he's actually alive.
1: So, yeah, I think that was in one of your uh, your source books, wasn't right?
0: Yeah, uh, Joshua Knight uh, in the uh, yeah okay. to Still City, right? So.
1: Um, yeah, and I wanted I guess to guess that in my own head. I called him the, the viral was, vampire, yeah.
0: Yeah, they were supposed to be there was supposed to be a whole big set of them called Guardians of the Earth. Um, and I was going to do a whole big thing with it, but I basically never did because I was too busy, well, pre- uh, doing other things for Richard, uh, and also uh, running games. I tell you, it's really, I mean, that's when it's really hard. To be a game designer and also be a GM, you could yep. as a player you can do it. I'm playing a game, but I'm also writing games. You can do it. But if you're the GM, you know it's 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 a lot of work to keep a campaign going and such. And if you're like you, Trav, with like six, five,
2: yeah, four campaigns, I'm sure. Hopefully, this Sunday we will end one of them, and it'll just be game planning that that session. But anyways,
0: right? I have two one which I play every other week and one I play every week and then I'm also in a and d game so um it's it's a lot of work for me and the podcast of course so it's yeah. basically taking up all my time so Yeah
2: I've got you know the four campaigns you know this podcast and then my right. weekly show so yeah, it, it's it's not easy. I'm mean, having to you know contact my players like a What were we doing yeah. again two weeks ago? Yeah. And
0: that's of course one of the <laughs> yeah. reasons to grab this source these source materials. Okay, uh, I highly recommend that people look to the pulp uh, magazines of the '40s for ideas for their oh, campaigns yeah. because oh, yeah. there's a lot of really weird stories back then. You know, before they got codified you know, and made nice and slick by Hollywood. You know, there's a lot of stories, the Lovecraftian stories, um, the various other people, uh, sometimes as simple as the, uh, oh, uh, e- the eerie magazine stories and such, you know, uh, you, uh, yeah, all, all that stuff, Edgar Rice Burroughs, uh, and then on the science fiction side, all the speculative people, L. El, Sprague de Camp, All those people that, modern people, modern readers of science fiction and fantasy don't even know about. I swear they don't, because they've never seen the one. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, like, um, oh, I keep messing up either Octavia Butler or Mercedes Lackey. I think Octavia Butler was, well, no, I think she was in the 50s. Pulp was over by then. Oh,
0: yeah. But But she, yeah, she's a more modern writer.
2: Yeah. But I know L. Ron Hubbard. I, I know that Hubbard started um, the creator of Scientology. Um, he started out as a pulp writer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, before he went into the navy. Right. Yeah,
0: but you know, the, you know, but you have these really great stories, you know, and sometimes they're just like short stories, which are which can very easily be converted into a simple adventure. Okay, or you can go with a whole world that's you know, and and like what I did with uh, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs in his Mars series. He basically just did all, took the first book and just lifted pretty much the entire world right out of it. Uh, You know, and uh, time travel stories to, to, uh, you know, back to the, the time of the dinosaurs uh, and all kinds of other things, Uh, robot invasions. I mean, there's really, you know, uh, and, and they don't do things the way you expect them to. Uh, and that's, that's the point. The point is, is that we've gotten so used to these very slick, you know, polished things that are on television now that, you know, the DV, you, know the, you forget that, the, that there was a whole lot of stuff that was going in all kinds of crazy directions. And they basically took, you know, these things that promoted them and they became the standard. But there's still lots and lots of other variations, and, pe- and it's it's great because your players will say, "Oh, I know what's going on here, and if we just do this, this will take care of it." And it's like, no, it's not going to work because there's actually something else going on. And
2: well, a lot, yeah. a lot of people seem to think that, oh no, pulp, no, it, it's you got to remember two of our most prominent filmmakers in this country. Were their entire childhood was all those old pulp serials? Mm -hmm. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Well,
0: don't don't forget about uh, uh, Tarantino.
2: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You know, he just happened to go whole hog and name one of his movies after that. But uh, Lucas and Spielberg, if you look at a lot, I mean, you look at Star Wars and just the old. I mean, he drew from the old pulp serials, he drew from Japanese culture, you know, War Jedi, World War II, uh J E D. Play uh,
0: you know, uh dog you know, dog fighting.
2: Dog fighting, yep. Yeah. And same with Steel Spielberg. And when I heard, you know, when Raiders of the Lost Ark first came out, and oh God, eighty something, ninety something. Yeah. In a galaxy very close to here, yeah. Um, and then I found out that these two Grew up on this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good. And well, again, except for that, you know, fourth movie, which on a good day is mediocre. It, they they goldmine with this this, and you know, Indiana Jones is now in the the national consciousness as a a neo pulp character because yeah, it's of the pulp genre, but it was made you know 40 years after the genre was gone. Yeah. And just...
0: If there hadn't been an Indiana Jones, there probably wouldn't be a Savage World.
2: Oh, no. No, no, no. No. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I do want to go on one point to other things of of TV and movies that I've added into my campaigns. And then there's a, a route I want to go on and if Bruce has not followed me on this route far more, because Bruce watches far more anime than I do. <laughs> as far as anime and Pulaski, you got the wrong I'm Pulaski. Sure. My daughter's far more the anime geek than I am. Yeah. Two other things that I put in, matter of fact, in the campaign with the Riverworld series, and actually it was players that sort of, you know, gave the character idea and then I just dumped the whole mythology in. And, and this, this is, and you know how Bruce does his chocolate and peanut butter this is more peanut butter and motor oil, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me use a term before where just, there's no way to mix, but I, I, I force it together. Yeah. Um, okay, the first... <laughs> peanut butter and hydraulics. It was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in the same campaign, which is based off the Haven City of Violence and the other Haven settings by Louis J. Porter, this Thursday night superhero campaign I've run, and I added The River World and The Operator, uh, the aforementioned Will Steebling wanted to play a character other than Zen, his Ember Mage from Fair Rune, and he comes up, yeah, I want to play a CIA spook like like John Reese. I'm like, who? So, two years after the series came out, uh, two years after it ended, in 2018, down the Netflix rabbit hole I went for person of interest. Now, over the past couple of years, i you you've known, y'all you known that I love that series. And I got fur hooked on it, and mm-hmm. it it's about. A reclusive billionaire software genius who has an AI that even though he sold it to the government, you know, to prevent another 9-11, he had a back door because, yeah, the terrorists are getting taken care of, but there were still people out there suffering from violent crime. So he brings on a retired CIA spook played by Jim Caviezel, and it just gets in, into some morality about AI, and it gets into morality about privacy rights. And it was a very good series. I, they say fifth season, but it was only, I call it four and a half. But I put that into the game, and I even made the AI that, the, the Venusian AI that gave all the heroes their nanobionics, I basically turned him into Michael Emerson's character, Mr. Finch. And because Will was playing the, the thing to John Reese, yeah, you have the leadership beat. Fine. Your cohort is Detective Lionel Fusco of the Haven City Police Department. So I'm sitting there, you know, and I've I've watched the series, you know, twice now, completely through. So I'm sitting there doing the New York mannerisms and everything and the nickname making of Kevin Chapman's character, Lionel Fusco. So, you know, it's like uh, he'll be referring to, you know, Grimm slash Vince. Okay, listen here, Daddy Woolbucks. you know, if I wanted your equipment, I'd ask it, you know, and I'm throwing nicknames at, like, Pixie's character, and Jeff Derricker, and Carrie's character, and Will's character. Yo, know, listen here, Mandrake. You know, just, <laughs> and obviously, I had to give this guy pop culture ranks, you know, to justify all this. And then the other one that I added, Power Rangers, because Jeff wanted to play, and it's funny, Dr. Jackson Stone, a prodigy, child prodigy archaeologist. So I'm like, let me guess. He goes, yeah, Daniel Jackson. I'm like, we're not going to admit that we're throwing Stargate in here. Just We're not going to go with that. But he <laughs> and I have Sentai rules from Scorchorch Studios. So yeah, he has the Mythical Rangers. It's like a Sphinx, a Basilisk, a Wyvern, and two other Mythical creatures. And they're, those are the Zords. So yeah, I've got the Riverworld series, Person of Interest, and Power Rangers all in the same damn campaign. And I made the stuff work. And thankfully, the players have helped with just their boosts and with the characters, you know, they they gave me the idea. I just threw it all together in a pot and started stirring. Okay. Now, this is the one, as I said, Bruce, if you haven't pulled from this source with how long I've known you, sir, I will be quite shocked. We've said TV. We've said movies. We've said books. In my Friday night game I'm playing, which they're like Renaissance-level superheroes with some magic, and I'm using the vigilante rules from Ultimate Intrigue for Pathfinder. Anime. I threw Saint Seiya into this game.
0: Yeah, a little overpowered.
2: Well, the rules, thankfully, you know, don't. Oh, no, no. The Silver Saints, they're the ones I had to be high level. But basically, I threw Seiya because uh, one of my former late gamers, uh, Jim Deaton, played Seiya in a champions game. And Jerry Gentry, our number cruncher, made it where Seiya could do the stuff he could. I'm having to I'm having to use the Dreamscarred Press rules for Path of War and Ultimate Psionics, so I'm getting some good results. But you know, I, I'm trying to keep it in a character as much as possible. And basically, in the Second World, oh, all the gods disappeared. You know, as belief in them, when they realize that you don't need the actual god, you just need belief in an ideal. These all gods disappeared. No, I just said they didn't disappear. They're getting reincarnated now. So, other than rifting Seiya from Japan, where Okay, it's like modern day Tokyo like it is in the anime because they have a lightning board and everything's electrical run. Yeah, you have cars, they're all electric engines, fine. So yeah, I threw in Saint Seiya and I've got Sal Rikido, I've thrown in Ofiushius Shaina, the woman that's in love with Saina but is still trying to kill him. Uh <laughs> Julian Solo, who is the reincarnation of Poseidon. Oh no, I've thrown all this in and I'm throwing these pictures to my two gamers, Carrie and um uh, Gina, a.k.a. Lab Rat, on my show, on my live stream, and they're just like, I'm telling you, no, you gotta watch this. It's on Netflix. If you have the time, <laughs> just <laughs> trust me, I'm throwing stuff in that you're not gonna be able to guess what I'm doing next. So just, yeah, watch it. I got hooked on it back in, like, 1989. There was a comic book store down the street from me, it's, since Long closed, owned by the late uh, Gary Repest, the guy who owns Caliber Comics who puts out the Crow comic book. And the basis for the movie, randomly, mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I won this raffle, and it was like a dubbed VHS tape of, from Japanese TV of like the first six episodes of Saint Sam, and I was hooked. And I'm just like, what the heck is this? This is so cool, you know. And I later got DVDs, you know, from some anime source that they send you a magazine, or a catalog and all that. And so I finally figured out how to dope out the rules using DreamScarred Press's third-party Pathfinder stuff. And he's working out pretty so far. So, I've thrown that in. So, I think, other than, you know, of course, Robotech, and you all know, as I said, how much I use Robotech in my games. I've got, like, two or three different Robotech worlds. Saint um, Saint is the only other anime I've found that I actually managed to fit into a game. All right. I'm asking this. Mr. Shepherd, sir. Yes. Have you used ideas from anime? And, as a, again,
0: I have- Robotech
2: and Saint Say? I have, okay.
0: unfortunately, right. one of my one of my very long term players is a huge animator. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I not only have to, you know, file off the serial numbers, I got to change the color and the gender, <laughs> okay. and usually put it in a different geographical area. Before I could use anything <laughs> like that, but no, I mean a lot of the stuff like uh, bioorganics and um, and and having oh, like the and having groups yep. that were yeah. mixed of like you know basically you know someone with psychic powers, some that you know the martial arts, something like that. They uh, uh, that that comes comes a lot from anime where they would have these really big eclectic groups, you know, uh, yeah. and, uh, and and of course some of the. Really over the top stuff. I mean, that whole thing that I was talking about, where there's the girl that was like uh, Veronica, um, and she at one point she gets a she gets basically a super suit that turns her into like a giant insect, you know. And that was you know purely uh, stolen from uh, anime type thing. Whereas basically she's the suit is the suit. Not only she not only wears it, it becomes her. You know, she basically could manifest it like Guyver, you, know, you know, Ceres can. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that happens. Uh, and that's all, you know, to Mellor and Super Science anyways, or Commonwealth yeah. Super Science. So we hand wave all that away. And uh, they're all like, well, this is great, so she's not fringe worthy. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, just a matter of time. You think that I debt is not mm-hmm. going to give her a crystal? And, and, and give her some time and, and, and hope that she will, uh, you know, attune so that they can use yeah. this, oh, yeah. basically yeah. this super being, you know, out on the fringe pads to their benefit. And when that happens, you know she's going to be looking for that player character.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Go back to our old episodes about superheroes on the fringe pads. This is one back, you know, with me, Bruce, yeah. John, and Blake. So this was years ago. Right. But yeah, if you want to go down that route, check that out. No, I, 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 w- I was going to be totally disappointed. Oh, no, I haven't pulled much from anime.
0: Right. Like I said, I'm gonna flip this I would pull t- like, yeah. a lot more <laughs> from anime, uh, uh, except that, you know, um, and frankly, you know, I, I personally uh, play uh, uh, in Bureau 13, Ray Robertson, like brains uh, in Thunderbirds.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been ages since I've seen well, that well, at all. Let me put it this so, way.
0: Every, all yeah. of their various vehicles, they were all created by him. All the special mm-hmm. all the special gear they use whenever they do their rescues, he created it all. Yeah. I mean, he's basically a puppet version of Ray Robinson.
2: Oh, no, I, I get that. <laughs> it's just, it's been ages. And I even remember in the early 90s, I remember seeing this on cable at my grandpa's house back in the day in the old TV room. They did like a '90s faded version of Thunderbirds, yes. And then, of course, there was the movie with Bill Paxton and Anthony Edwards. But it's not '90s.
0: Actually, there's an animated version that came out after that, and it's actually much better. It's oh, okay. Uh, it's really very well done. It's, it's fully CGI animated, and they've got great actors. And they've 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 you know they've got other they brought they haven't brought in. I mean, it's obviously still the brothers all running things. But they've also yeah. brought in a couple of female characters that are, you know, very, very much active in the adventures. So, uh, I was very impressed with it, you know, uh, just to show that that uh, that kind of uh, animation and such is is still alive. And it's, uh, yeah, know, it's, it's, it's out there. You can find it. Uh, just look for uh, Thunderbirds, Argo, and you'll find the animated versions. Right. And they're And they've, and they've got super equipment at the same time is that it's a lot of times it's small enough. You know, it's, it's not like giant robots walking around. I mean, it, it usually it's like out of these vehicles, they, you know, they bring smaller pieces of equipment that are very cool and you can you could actually yeah. under you could actually see somebody be given something like this to take on the fringe pass or give something like this to be used in a bureau 13 scenario so yeah there's there's lots of uh i've mined so much stuff from james bond and these kinds of shows over the years uh, for, oh, yeah, for bureau yeah. 13 mm-hmm. uh, because to me i mean i mean some people they love james bond for the spy and the intrigue and stuff like that i was Always about the gadgets, you know. I uh, the very first James Bond movie I ever saw was uh, uh, "You Only Live Twice," which was just
2: okay. chock full of cool oh,
0: yeah. gadgets, you know. And 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 I, uh, you know, that that got me that got me kickstarted. Matter of fact, when I watched the movies, the earlier movies, I was somewhat disappointed as, as the, because they didn't have as much cool gear in it. <laughs>
2: But then, of course, they. Went oh no, with, that was a later edition. Yeah. That was not even in the books. All the gadgetry that, like, oh, this is a pen and an explosive and a laser all in one. Yeah, right. That was all Hollywood that did all that. Right.
0: Well, go that in the far books, yeah. In the books, he was always going to Q, and Q's like, "We got no money, buddy. <laughs> Here, <laughs> here's a gun, you know, or maybe uh, you know, here's a here's a briefcase that's got a hidden knife in it. Go out there and." Stop the stop the Russian menace.
2: Oh, oh no. It's like, um, let's see, third Craig movie, Skyfall. Yeah. When he meets the new Q, Ben Wishaw, who's like 19. <laughs> Just, a gun and a radio. What, you're not going to give me an exploding pen? We're really not into that type of thing now, 007. <laughs> Oh, and do tried to bring the equipment back in one. Yeah, well,
0: piece. that Hugh always said that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, no, it's just, I like, lo- because de- most of us who watch Bond movies, and my dad's a huge Bond fan, Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. And then sadly, mm-hmm. he died in a car. Cra- I found out he died in a car crash on the way to a book signing out, driving through the English countryside, trying to get to London. So they, they had already brought in John Cleese as R. So, like, for, like, the next two Pierce Brosnan movies, he took over as the new Quartermaster. And then, you know, you're watching the Daniel Craig ones, and, you know, okay, nothing in Casino Royale. Nothing in Quantum of Solace. And you're, and I'm watching these movies, you know, after still being amazed at that damn parkour scene at the beginning of Casino Royale. <laughs> um, And, file, oh, no. Oh, first time I saw that in, like, 06, I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? You know, um, so I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, okay, where's Q? Q is an iconic part of Bond Canon. And here he is. I'm like, this guy's younger than my daughter. <laughs> this is the new tech guy. Okay. No, but I could see a lot of Bureau 13 players trying to do the James Bond thing. I'm the secret agent. I have a license to kill supernatural beings. I'm gonna get cool gadgets from Bureau RD. I could see it being just a supernatural and and of course. With the supernatural, the high tech, you can have the weird villains like Jaws. Yeah. Or, you know, the megalomaniac, you know, oh no, I have not seen all I haven't seen Spectre yet, but when I saw that trailer with Christoph Waltz and just and I'll try and I'm gonna try to do Christoph Waltz justice here. Hello, James. I'm the architect of all your pain. I heard that. It scared the mess out of me. I'm like, oh, when they got <laughs> him as the villain. Yeah. He plays good villains. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, And I was
0: totally down with it until I found out that he was his stepbrother and Daddy didn't love him as much. And I was like, what? You uh, built an international criminal empire because Daddy loved James Moore? <laughs>
2: yeah, just... Uh, that's that's as thin a motivation as I've uh, as I well, can recall. Well, of. I'm also seeing, and, and I'm gonna try to you know keep this eh, this new one. What is it? No time to die is Craig's fifth and final okay, yeah. one. Is supposed to be coming out. Yeah. Now it apparently they're the odds are up, and it sounds like they're really gonna go over the top with this, like something really big. And, I
0: hope it's his last one. Of course they are.
2: Well, yeah, but still they're doing the whole. From what I'm gathering, and it has the man who played Freddie Mercury from Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Rami Malik as the villain. Okay. And he's wearing, yeah. like, a mask and all this. I, I saw the trailer. I'm like, okay, yeah. But from what I'm gathering of it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like nuclear war is going to happen or something bad, you know, like a plague or something. Somebody's always trying
0: it. to set off nuclear war.
2: Right, right. But, I mean, it, it just sounds like this one is going to be for all the marbles. And I'm like, it better not be disappointing like that was with, you know, Daddy didn't love me, so I'm gonna you know, make this criminal organization. To, yeah, uh, to I was hurt so you.
0: disappointed, Inspector.
2: <laughs> but no, I could see Bureau 13, James Bond, people drawing a lot of James Bond stuff from Bureau 13. Yeah. Or I can't vice versa. I know. can't get
0: my players to use that kind of gear in the game. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, I mean, the guy that died, he, he didn't have to. He he just wasn't properly equipped. <laughs> it's like,
2: you know. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I, I in my games, what I do, it's either I have the, I tell them you, okay, and I do the tech level thing. We are PL5. Bureau 13 is PL high PL7, which means PL8 anti grab stuff is prototype technology. If you either make the requisition roll, buy it outright from the Bureau, or get the skills and make it yourself, you can have this stuff. So I encourage my players to do. Okay, no, you want this, you you need to get it and just get going and you have this thing. And so, yeah, I want them to have. And you know, me, Bruce, I have the Omega level teams right. where my agents are basically superheroes. They're for the really high level right. threats. So yeah, Gaming it's like I them, yeah, you know, get,
0: like I said, uh, life yeah, force, interdimensional, life force attacks, yeah,
2: interdimensional plague. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. All at the same time. You know, yeah. and any and and matter so
0: I, of gremlins from beyond.
2: Yeah. Or what was the one that my one acquaintance, Brian Jesky, said? He had to say it like this Nazi basis werewolves from the deep. deep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's. These funny bimbos. I could masters? see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could see James Bond. It's like, I'm wondering why we haven't heard in, in all the time that you and I have done. Why we haven't heard people drawing from the Bond films for Bureau 13. I'm just, I'm surprised that has not come across our plate yet. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I, I,
0: I, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think that um, people are just so used to video games where they are constrained by what's given to them in the game that they don't, they really yeah. just don't think outside the box the way they could. I mean, I
2: yeah, because video games are quite right. Well, they, yeah, they have a very just, limited yeah.
0: set of items in it because someone has to program that stuff. But in but in yeah. tabletop RPG, there is no limits. You the, the only limit is what the GM is willing to do and what you're willing to ask right. for. And uh, I just I, I'm whenever people go that extra step and say, "I want this," I almost always say yes. Okay. I mean, we had that whole thing say say. Always say yes if you can. Okay, say yes. Yeah. That was a, and and every anyone who has not heard that episode, that was one of our very best episodes. So please look it up on our uh, Podbean site. Oh yeah, because uh, I think I still think it's real. It's very germane today that as a GM, it should you should always be looking for a way to say yes to what your players want because they're telling you what will excite them. They're telling you what will make the game special for them. Why would you not want to do that?
2: <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, if they're if they're handing you ingredients for you to bring the awesome to the game, make the damn cake for that's them. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's right. They uh, we have we have a, a a a new technological god who's currently in the RV. And and I tease them sometimes. And they says, "Well, we should take the RV because it's got it's got Walt, you know, Walt Disney in it." <laughs> and and I said, sure. I would love for you to do that, because you know that every time you do that, you're inviting me to to mess with you, right? I loved you doing that. Go ahead, please. And said, right.
2: Oh, so it's like me, me giving my players as a reward a ring of three wishes. Yeah, got it. Okay. Right.
0: But the yeah. thing is is that, you know, yep. he's never he's never been bad to them. It's just they don't know what he's going to do because he's a sentient, he's a sentient being. And he's not human. And they don't know what his motivations are. And they're just hoping that that he's going to stick to the Disney eyes worldview <laughs> you know, and stay out of that whole touchstone <laughs> section of the Disney uh, mu- uh, film camera. Ah,
2: okay. Yeah. Because that can yeah. get some, there's some
0: pretty <laughs> dark stuff in there. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, they, uh, but I, I, um, they were, they, they were the ones that came up with the idea of enticing this technological god into the biggest piece of technology they had available, which was the Colorado RV. And I said, Well, wow, let's try that. You know, how are you going to entice him in there? And he we said, We're going to do stuff, <laughs> we're going to like s- programs and you know, I I forget exactly how they did it, but they got they got they hooked. They basically put come to the they, dark side. They basically side. plugged in. Come to the dark side.
1: We got yeah, supercomputer. Super yeah.
0: You know more processing power than you know because he essentially inhabits the, the vehicle. It's like a body for him. And so
2: yeah. Oh, oh. yeah.
0: See now you're beginning to get it. An
2: AI driven Colorado. Oh huh? no. Well, no, it's funny. I, I I I'll try to condense this down. Back in the, the Bureau 13 1890 campaign, I brought in the time of the comet TSR thing where you had the overseer and the robots. Fine. There's an AI now that lasts 125 years in my Bureau 13 campaign into the Saturday game. And it's pretty much lives in the earwig of Fur's character, Dr. Evelyn Weaver, the druidic high priestess turned modern day virologist. And so whenever, hello, Dr. Weaver, I'm here to assist you. And, and Fur lights up. I'm like, oh god! I'm not, I have to play this character now for the rest of the damn session, and just, <laughs> and I and I have fun with it because you know they've known each other back in the 1890s when she got transported out into space and found this AI in and a robotic android body. So yeah, it it it. Any anything with it, and that's kind of why I added personal interest to the game because here it is. Yeah, I had this Venusian AI, but other than what was in the book, you know, the 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 Haven material, I'm like, eh, what ooh, have them like mr finch and just it clicked and yeah so there's a, and there's a lot of stuff out there that you could find to add ais to bureau 13 or fringeworthy and just yeah it it would it and you can and because ais don't have human motivations it keeps your players guessing on what they're going to do because ais think you know what 10 20 1000 10000 moves ahead of any human form they can compute out the permutations of one event. So you can just say, it's, it's like messing with time travel. You don't know what all will happen. So you got to try to, the players got to try to plan the best they can. Hmm. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I'm looking at the time here. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else? Do we have anything else? If not, then Mr. Thomas, you can try to wrap this up with a nice bow.
1: I was going to say, unless there's anything else anyone has they want to talk about, I think uh, we've done a pretty good job of showing that it. it there's lots of material out there in the world. If you like something, don't be afraid to use it. Whether you want to you know, file the serial numbers off and just present it as is with only a few names changed, or if you want to really take it apart and just get the, the, the most pure essence of whatever that, that media or that property is and insert it into your campaign, have no fear. It's your home game. Plagiarism doesn't exist in your home game. The only thing you have to fear is your players maybe also being a fan of that property and maybe being a step ahead of you.
0: Hey, it's okay to send them a bone. a while, mm, players like to know that, like to think they're smarter than a GM. Yeah. Makes it easier to rip the rug out from
1: under them later. That's right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. We'll talk more, probably about more things. You will undoubtedly, as you continue to listen to this podcast, we'll t- undoubtedly be talking about more things we've used. Because it's, what, been 10, 11 years now?
2: Season 12 starts next month, yes.
1: Season 12, That's yeah. So you can find lots. I mean, there's been whole episodes based off of using Harry Potter and Fringeworthy or using uh, D&D, as we mentioned, and Fringeworthy. So don't be afraid to use any property you you find a love for. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in other properties in the future. But until then, you'll have to wait until next week. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there
0: are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. <music>